welcome all of you who join us today in the pews for this fourth Sunday of Advent, and to you who join us by way of electronic media, a warm welcome from all of us here at St. Anne's to you. What's going on here in this gospel today is a classic dynamic of attention that we all experience anytime we allow God to come near us. Two things are happening. A dance between trust in God and at the same time, fear of God. So trust and fear. And Mary, the Blessed Virgin, becomes the template for this whole dynamic that everyone experiences in every religion, in every walk of life. Because God wants to come near to each person made in his image and likeness. And at the same time, we have this fear, or we have this trust, or we have trust and fear. And what's interesting is that in the end, each one of us must make a choice, a free choice to trust and to accept and to allow God's power and grace to operate on the one hand or to flee, to run in fear of that. So many times people ask me, how did you become a priest? Did you hear the call? And some of you know that story. I think in light of the gospel, I'd like to share that once again with you. I was 12 years old. We were living in Coronado, California, near San Diego, at Sacred Heart Catholic Church. And Monsignor Purcell was the pastor, a wonderful inspiration to me. And in those days, there usually were two altar boys. One would assist the priest at communion time with the patent plate held under your chin as he distributed the body of Christ, the body of Christ, the body of Christ. People would kneel along the communion rail. The other altar boy would remain behind and kneel facing the tabernacle and the cross. That was my role that day. Again, 12 years old, and I remember those words as clear then as they are to me today, words in my heart that I did not invent. No 12-year-old could articulate these words that I heard three times. Take me down from this cross and let me live in you. Take me down from this cross and let me live in you. Take me down from this cross. And let me live in you. No 12-year-old makes those words up. I was not very smart. But I was overwhelmed with an incredible warmth 
and peace and joy, and my eyes were transfixed on the cross. It was a wonderful religious experience, not psychologically induced, not some emotional state. This was real cause and real effect. And then, all of a sudden, the other altar boy tapped me on the shoulder and said, come on, what are you doing? Get up. We're finishing the Mass. And I remember going home that day, thinking about what was happening, reflecting on that beautiful experience. And then I was overwhelmed with fear. I became very afraid. I kept thinking, well, what am I going to say to people? Will they understand? Will they accept me? Will they mock me and make fun of me? Oh, you don't want to be a priest. That's stupid. Why do you want to do that? You're weird. You're different. So I kept it quiet from age 12 to age 19, those seven years. I didn't run away, but I didn't tell people about it. I was afraid. And then I told my parents because I wanted to enter the seminary at Catholic University. They had a scholarship program in philosophy. Dad wasn't very big about giving out money for college, so I figured this was my way to get a college education too. And I told them, and mom was very excited. Mom was always excited about things spiritual. She was a convert herself to the Catholic Church. Dad, on the other hand, was very administrative. He said, look, that's wonderful. But if you ever leave the seminary, know that your mother and I will take you back. Years later, I asked my father, why did you say that? Why didn't you just say congratulations or that's wonderful? He said, because, James, your father, that is your grandfather, my father was a seminarian back in the early part of the 20th century in California. And his father, your great-grandfather, died. And so Edward Francis had to return home because in those days you paid your own way through seminary, like college. The family couldn't afford, so he went to work and provided for his mother and only sister. And of course, never returned to seminary. He was close to ordination, but he left to provide for the family and then fell in love and he and Louise Ward had seven children. So dad said, thank God your grandfather left the seminary because if he didn't, I wouldn't be here and you wouldn't be here. Interesting how providence works. I always think some way that I was my grandfather's dream come true in some way, shape or form how grace operates in family life that way. But the dynamic in my life, I heard the call, I was excited, I was at peace, 
and at the same time, afraid, fearful. God was trying to come close and I was dancing with that and didn't know where to go. But in the end, I made a choice. It wasn't easy. It took me eight years to become a priest. Most become priests in six years. I was a little slow. But I trusted. And here I am today with you. And I am the happiest priest I know. Now in Mary's life, something similar is going on. She is confronted by this angel. Now, angels throughout the Old Testament, and especially in the New, among their many tasks, there's one that is profoundly common among all the angels. They announce peace. And they often will say, do not be afraid. Have no fear. Do not run from God. He's not going to kill you. He's not an ogre. He's not going to condemn you. Do not be afraid. Because angels always in the Old Testament were signs of some divine presence. Something big was happening. And you'll hear that on Christmas night when the multitude of angels, multitudes of angels, are proclaiming the birth of the Savior. Glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to those of goodwill. So they're announcers of peace. And so here is Mary, and she's betrothed to Joseph. They're about to get married. Everything is planned. She may be 12 or 13, Joseph a little older. And she is visited by a divine presence. God is drawing close to her through the angels. And Gabriel announces, Hail, full of grace. Now, this is the Immaculate Conception. We've talked about this on December the 8th, her feast day. Mary was not 50% grace, 75% grace. She is 100% immaculate, full of sanctifying life. Not a goddess, not divine. 100% human, human. Now, that's important to note, because once she hears this greeting, no doubt she's excited about that. At the same time, she was greatly troubled at what was said and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. Greatly troubled. Oh, not just troubled, says Luke. Profoundly perturbed, confounded. Even in her Immaculate Conception, the Blessed Virgin is greatly troubled. You see, we have this Hallmark card version of the Blessed Virgin. I get so many of them, and they're wonderful. And it's a beautiful representation in artwork of the Blessed Virgin and Joseph as they kneel with serenity and peace. I believe that. But that's not what's going on here. Not at the Annunciation. Nine months before her feast day, March 25th, nine months before December 25th. 
So at this annunciation, she is greatly troubled. She's been given the invitation. God is drawing close to her, and she is troubled. And the angel says immediately, do not be afraid, Mary. Again, the role of the angels is to provide peace and to dispel fear so that the free will of Mary and your free will and mine can move in that direction towards greater and greater trust and dispel the darkness of fear. That dynamic is going on here beautifully, profoundly. So then the angel explains everything to her and she asks the question, again, how can this be? Joseph and I are not married. I'm going to conceive. This doesn't follow the biological line. The angel says, don't worry about that. God will provide. Now that's an important piece in trust. To really believe that God will provide. Whatever you're going through. And you have lived long enough to connect those dots over time and to say, you know, when I was really down financially or I had significant health issues or I was worried about my health, I was worried about the outcome or for a loved one, a family member, a neighbor, a relative, or I was really worried about my job, or I lost my job, or I didn't know how I was going to provide. I was living on a shoestring. I had nothing. And here I am today. And maybe I still have a lot of that with me, but I've grown to move towards greater trust that God will provide rather than to wallow and get swallowed in fear because fear is not the antidote but trust in God is and it will provide so God will provide and she will conceive even Elizabeth her older cousin has conceived Mary is now very excited about this now we can read this annunciation passage as we did from the gospel in one minute and 32 seconds and it's very easy to think, as do fundamentalists, that all this just took place scene by scene by scene in one minute and 32 seconds. Scene one, Mary. Scene two, the angel. Scene three, the conversation. Scene four, she accepts. Scene five, he departs. What a wonderful play. The fact is, if you take creation and incarnation very seriously, as do Catholics, because of the reality of things, there's no way, there's no way on earth that Mary made this decision to say, thy will be done after one minute and 32 seconds. Because why? Luke says, she was greatly troubled. Now, if you're greatly troubled, this takes time. This takes a lot of time. God will not interfere with you when it's not your time. 
He will do it in his time, and he works with your time, and he respects it. That's why I was called at 12 years of age, and in my time, I needed seven years to discern this. It took another eight years to continue that process in seminary, and it's never over. And you who are married or have been married, you know it takes time. It takes time. It takes time. And all of life is over time, a constant process of discerning God's will. And sometimes it's clear and sometimes it's not. But again, at every moment, trust or fear. You can fight God. That's okay. Most of the prophets did. You can question, but you question with trust, as does a child. It's so fascinating to watch children. They'll ask you the question all the time, why, why do I have to go to bed so early? And parents say, because. Why? Well, because. Why? All the while the trust is there. The child's not mocking the parents. Child wants to know, wants to grow in knowledge and love. You can question God, that's okay. But to question God, to say, you don't know what you're doing and I won't believe you because I didn't get my way, no way. So Mary's questioning, how can this be? See? Now let's, let's bring her into reality. This woman is real. That's a real woman. That's a fantastically powerful, profound woman. And in the end, whatever time it took, was it a day, was it a week, was it a month? Who knows? But in her time, behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord. Do it. Do it now. I'm ready. And I will trust. Dear friends, this is what Advent does for us. It moves us out of the fear of the world and all the stuff of our lives towards greater and greater trust and acceptance of what God has in store for us. If you think Mary's story is unique, wait till you hear about Joseph. Wait till you hear about the others. Can't wait to hear your story too. I hope you reflect on it. Share that with others. And Encourage them to move from fear to trust. All will be well, for thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Through Christ our Lord. Amen.